0: Also, tones of Herb Alpert and his Tijuana Brass means it's time, once again, for Fangraphs Audio. Uh, this is Fangraphs Audio. I am Carson Cistulli. Uh My guest today on the show—you might know uh, from his work with Baseball America, you might know him uh, from his uproarious Twitter feed, um, or perhaps you know him because you belong to some weird club for people with alliterative names. His name is Ben Badler. He is a writer-contributor to Baseball America, and on this edition of the podcast, um, we get to know Mr. Badler and exactly what it is he does um, with that venerable publication. And what follows, I ask uh, Ben about his path to Baseball America. Uh, We look at some of the daily goings on around the BA office and exactly what that entails. We get into some specifics with some current minor league players uh, including Julio Tehran, uh, one first-round draft uh, pick in Tim Beckham and another first-round draft pick in Matt Bush who's taken a slightly different path up through the minor leagues. And then finally, Ben who covers a lot of the international news for Baseball America gives us a primer of sorts on what it is the smarter baseball fan needs to know about the international signing period. All of that and more on this white edition of Fangraphs Audio. I'm Carson Sestouli. This is Fangraphs Audio. My guest today is a writer, contributor for Baseball America. I believe he's joining us from the American South, uh, specifically Durham, North Carolina. Do I have that right, Ben Badler?
1: Yes, our uh, our offices here are, are located in Durham.
0: So you uh you're you're not a natural southerner though. Um you are uh I think you're from New England, is that right?
1: Yes, by uh, by nature I am from uh grew up in New England, moved out here to North Carolina uh about uh four years ago to uh join Baseball America, so uh this time of year certainly uh can't complain about living in the South.
0: Uh yeah um and, and we'll talk about your journey in just a second is it um in terms of were you uh, were you subject to any of that heinous weather i believe there was some heinous weather that went through north carolina were you are you okay do you have any uh, bruises or anything
1: yeah thanks for uh thanks for asking me uh, now carson uh <laughs> uh yeah uh yeah about uh let's see a few weeks or maybe about a month ago we had uh, uh, some tornadoes roll through our area in Raleigh, but uh, there was some damage. But uh, I was about ten miles from my my home, but uh, luckily uh, everything was okay. There was some uh, a little bit of flooding, but uh, around me. But uh, otherwise, uh, I was uh, I was all right. I think I was. I'm sure I was watching some baseball game on on Fox at the time. <laughs> on a On a Saturday, I believe. So, uh, but uh, yeah, everything uh, everything's going uh, well over here.
0: Yeah, well, that's good. See, yeah, sorry I didn't uh, check in more quickly. Uh, next time, though, totally. I swear to God. Yeah. Uh, so, Badler, the, I want to I want to touch on a number of things. Um, you know, with with you, um, some of them are sort of uh, more by way of background, um, sort of understanding how you got to BA and um, how your responsibilities have changed or and or stayed the same uh, since you've gotten there. Uh, I also want to get into some real uh, to some baseball related specifics. Um, mm-hmm you know and in particular um I think that uh, you've spent the last week um going to a whole bunch of games and seeing some uh, in particular some interesting pitchers um and also we have a uh some international um signings up ahead in the not too distant future and even if we don't necessarily talk about specific names I definitely would like to talk about um or at least like begin to understand a little bit more about the international signing period and um you know, maybe maybe clear up some things that, you know, like myself or listeners in general may not understand about it. Um, now, first, yeah, off, your specific title is now with with Baseball Maker, Do you have very official titles, or is it uh, are you all sort of uh, associate editors or assistant editors, or how does that work?
1: Yeah, I'm a I'm an assistant editor, and the the majority of my responsibilities are to write about minor league prospects and to like you touched on earlier. Write about the international market, uh, which is uh, something. There's, there's a lot of people who uh, were starting to write about the uh, the minor leagues, but internationally, uh, not too many people have, uh, have really jumped on that yet. So it's it's something pretty special that we do. It, uh, Baseball America, writing about some of the. I think we wrote up, uh, you know, just for last year's class signing class, we wrote up uh, scouting reports on almost 200 of the top uh, international signings from uh, last year. So. You know, as as much fun as it is to uh, write about the minor league prospects, it's it's almost more fun to kind of uncover uh, some of these international players who, uh, you know, people, uh, you know, I, I always get, I even get uh, questions about uh, from readers and from emails, uh, or they're getting emails from people about wanting to know, you know, which, you know, Dominican summer league prospect or which, uh, you know, which uh, international amateur signing they should add to their. Uh, fantasy team, which uh, kind of blows my mind sometimes uh, for their keeper league. But uh, those are always those are always uh, fun to put together. So uh, between the international and the uh, the minor league stuff, it's uh, uh, it's definitely very busy, especially uh, this time of year as the as the minor league season is underway and, and July second is, uh, is coming up.
0: Right, July second, the uh, the signing date for international uh, free agents. Um, I want to just, before we get into some of those particulars, you know, sort of present day baseball stuff, um, I want to just kind of get a sense of how you got to where you are right now. Um, both b- because I'm interested in you and because I think it like anytime, you know, you, I come across someone who, you know, is writing for a side like Baseball America or fan graphs or someone who spends, um, who essentially, you know, makes his living doing that. Um, it's always curious to me uh, and interesting how people have eventually ended up in these positions because there doesn't seem to be uh, one route um, to that particular end. Um, I mean, and maybe the only thing that um, all these sorts of people have in common is they really like writing and writing about baseball. Um, so I'm curious for you, like, what do you see as the sort of uh, rel- relevant steps? Um, you know, starting maybe with your own baseball fandom and then like specifically getting into writing about baseball.
1: Yeah, I think, uh, I think you, you kind of nailed it where there's not really one specific, uh, outline where you can follow to, uh, get to this path. I'm just thinking about, you know, the guys in the office. Some of them have, uh, journalism backgrounds. Uh, a lot of them don't. Some of them came from, you know, you know, local or, or nearby here in, uh, North Carolina. You know, other guys like me came from New England or, uh, other, we have other guys who came from, you know, Washington, uh, state, so, uh, it's a it's a pretty diverse group uh, that we have here. So uh, from from a lot of different backgrounds. So you know, for me, I didn't have a, a journalism background. I went to uh, UMass, where uh, uh, you might be familiar with, but uh, uh, I went there and uh, majored in sport management there. And when I graduated, um, I was able to get a, an internship with Baseball America, and basically. Hopped in my car, drove the 800-mile uh, the drive after I graduated, uh, moved down to uh, North Carolina for what I, I wasn't sure if it was going to be the summer or if I wasn't sure if it was uh, going to be longer than that. But uh, luckily, uh, it, it, was a, it was a fun experience as an intern. Obviously, the summer, uh, getting thrown into it with, uh, with the draft and, and all that is a pretty hectic time of year uh, here at Baseball America, to, to say the least. But uh, it was fun. I, I learned a lot, and uh, pretty soon thereafter, uh, at, at that point, uh, within a, a month or two, they they decided to uh, hire me full time. So I've been at, at Baseball America uh, ever since then. So it's uh, I'm not really sure what uh, what advice I can give, but uh, <laughs> well, definitely, but, like here's the thing that,
0: that was that was interesting to me because as you as you noted. Um, I, I went to uh, I went to UMass uh, for grad school, and you were you were there at, uh, as an undergraduate at the same time, and and we met uh, briefly there, and I sort of knew you as a as a guy who likes sports, and I know you did a little bit of writing, um, but when you got hired, uh, when I saw that you'd gotten hired, or maybe you'd been working at Baseball America for over a year, um, you know, just like some uh, I was doing some background. I was like, well, you know, like how because I was curious. I was like, how did he how did he do that and um, you had done quite a bit of writing, if I'm not mistaken, on the Red Sox. Um, maybe more prospects, maybe general stuff. But I'm curious as to like how that fit in and how that fit in with you getting in contact with um, with Baseball America, etc.
1: Um, well, to be honest, I re- it wasn't really uh, so much about the uh, writing about prospects before. Um, I think it's just if you were, uh, you know, I submitted some some writing samples that. Uh, i think they liked and i must have uh... You know, i'm not really sure <laughs> uh... to be honest what it what it was that uh... stood, a, stood out but uh, uh... i think if you're you know if you're passionate about baseball and you uh... like writing uh, i think if you, you put those two together and you're willing to you know work you know work hard uh... It's, it's, it all kind of sounds a little cliche but uh... uh to actually go out there and and do it is uh... is, a, is another thing to, to be able to execute uh, so if if you can pull it all together it's, uh, uh, and, and catch a little luck, it, uh, it does work out sometimes. Now,
0: with regard to that, the sort of uh, the hard work sort of thing, I, I think one thing that um, you know, because I, I actually subscribe to Baseball America, i clearly no, you know I've known about it for some time, as as a as a lot of baseball fans ha- have or do. Um, one thing though, so it sort of has taken on a mythical air. I'm sure for you it's not, it's not quite as mythical because you're there every day, like literally there right now sitting in the office. But I guess like because it's such a, a singular um, idea or publication um, and you know, because it, it's really the only um, – really the, you guys are really the only people doing what you're doing. Um, it is sort of curious to sort of like maybe learn more about it as a model. Um or you know what it's like, but like so so you are right now in the office, like is this um are, is it kind of look like a castle are you sort of like in a is there a moat around it, or is it more like uh maybe like kind of like an eighteenth century red brick building uh, with like a guard uh, guard outside
1: we haven't uh <laughs> we have a security system, so uh we, I think we uh they might have used to have a moat, but I think we've uh yeah. we've gone modern with that, but so uh, no moats as otherwise, well. yeah okay yeah it might have used to be a castle but uh and actually uh we do have the high ceilings but it actually is it's it's really more like a uh it used to be a warehouse uh of of some sort um but we uh it's it's really not uh you know if you want to come down sometime carson to uh to north carolina i can give you the tour of the uh the b a offices and uh we can probably see the entire thing in about uh uh two or three minutes i think people uh <laughs> people probably think uh, like you said I don't know if it's uh, uh mythical or, or what but our our uh our offices really aren't that big we' are pretty uh uh small uh uh company we just uh uh put in a lot of work I guess or something but uh, uh you know the the office isn't uh anything uh fancy just uh it's here it allows us all to uh to be in in one place and uh communicate and, and come in you know when we need so there's nothing uh nothing too fancy to uh no moats or, uh, or uh, guards or anything like that no to, uh, to keep anybody out.
0: Aaron fit? No, is no, a, uh, is a Aaron fit? Is he? I mean, is he strong? Is he large? Could he protect you? need need be.
1: Uh, he uh, he used to be able to, but he actually moved out to uh, to the West Coast, uh, so he's based in California now, doing a lot of our uh, college coverage out there. So our uh, our security is definitely taking a hit. Oh
0: yeah. Well, that that actually brings up an interesting point. Um, of course, a site like Fangraphs, which is based exclusively on the internet, um, has no headquarters proper, and you know we um, we communicate with each other online, um, and that, that works fine for our purposes, um, and you know we can exchange ideas that way. But I am sort of curious as to um, how maybe having a physical space, and I'm not asking you to, you know, to, to sum this all up in like you know um, a, a brief. Um, but uh, concisely worded paragraph. But just from your experience, um, what are some of the advantages or disadvantages of of having like the sort of working space you're talking about where you can kind of shoot shoot ideas uh, off other people or maybe let a you know let um, you, know, you can talk to to your editors or um, you know to your um, your colleagues, have some ideas, maybe have some uh, sort of spontaneous brainstorming type situations. Where maybe a you know a more removed or um, decentralized uh, situation might might uh, prevent some of that.
1: Yeah, I think having a, an office is definitely a, an advantage for us because um, you know you, you have an idea you want to bounce it off uh, somebody or you know I, I have a question or, or I have a you know just just something I'm thinking about and it has to do with you know high school players or or something you know more uh, you know something about the draft will. Uh, and that's not necessarily my ex- area of uh, expertise, so I can just, you know, pop my head over into uh, Nathan Rody's office or, or Connor Glassy and uh, talk to one of those guys, uh, and we can just have a, uh, you know, a conversation. Whereas we're not having to, uh, you know, send out IMs or, or emails, where you got to wait for the, uh, the back and forth. We can just, you know, go in and have it right there. I think, uh, you know, we have, you know, Jim Callis is, is based in Chicago, and and Aaron Fitz out in California uh which is a great area for, for college baseball so uh it's great to have uh you know those guys out wherever they are. Uh but at the same time having us all here in the office is, is great too. And it's kinda of similar probably to what uh you know a lot of teams do where they have their uh in, in most cases their GMs and, and their assistant GMs or uh, and their baseball operations staff are, are located uh in house for the most part, but then they have their you know their Florida or their or their Arizona operations or their their scouting staff is, you know, based all over the country, so um, to be able to, uh, to communicate remotely like that uh, is important, too, because a lot of times, you know, one of us will be uh, on the road for a, a road trip to, to see players or, or at a convention of some sort, so um, obviously technology has made things a lot easier, but at the same time, uh, having that physical office space to, uh, to uh, come in every day and just have these uh, conversations about baseball, uh, it's, I think it's certainly an advantage for us.
0: Well, let's talk about uh, seeing some specific players, and of course um, I'm guessing that, that your location there in the uh, Research Triangle in uh, North Carolina is of some benefit. I know that there are a couple of fa- uh, a couple of minor league teams right around you. In fact, um, the reason we're doing uh, this interview on uh, Monday is because all last week you were watching, um, was it Montgomery Carolina games, is that what was happening?
1: I saw some uh, some Montgomery uh, uh, last week and, and the week before i had seen uh, Chattanooga, which is the uh, Dodgers double-A affiliate, uh, and Car- in Carolina, which is a local team, the, uh, the Reds double-A affiliate, and uh, just before then I was seeing uh, Tennessee, which is the uh, Chicago Cubs double-A affiliate. Okay, so,
0: it's, so th- this enables you to, to kind of get some idea of of uh, some of the players you're you know you're covering, if not always directly, just at least give you some context.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a good area for baseball. Uh, pro- probably one of the uh, best areas I would say for, for minor league baseball in the country because uh, you know right down the road from our office, 15 minutes away, is the Durham Bulls. Uh, the Rays always bringing a, a ton of prospects, so we're lucky to have their Triple A affiliate here. Uh, the Reds Double A team is in Carolina. Uh, that's not too far. Greensboro, which is the Marlins Low A affiliate, is about an hour away. Uh, and then you have uh, Kinston, which isn't too far away, the Carolina League uh, High A affiliate of the Indians. Uh, it's a little bit of a longer drive, uh, about two hours, but it's uh, certainly doable. I know J. Cooper here uh, went out to see uh, Drew Pomeran's throw for the Indians, and he saw some of the uh, uh, Royals prospects when, when they played there, too. And then, you know, when even when rookie ball starts, the, uh, the Appalachian League. Uh, I get to see some happy league games when the, uh, the Burlington Royals start. Uh, unfortunately, the, uh, the Royals have two rookie league affiliates and, and they tend to send a, some of their, uh, their better prospects to, uh, the Pioneer League, uh, out in Idaho Falls. Uh, but, uh, usually get, can see a lot of, uh, you know, good rookie ball prospects, uh, come through. Uh, there actually saw Julio Taran there, uh, must have been a few years ago now at this point. But, uh, I just remember seeing him, uh, pitching in that, uh, that, uh, ballpark in front of about, uh, 60 fans who were, <laughs> never seen fans oohing and eyeing before, uh, at a changeup, but, uh, that's, that's how good, uh, change changeup, uh, was, was that night. He was throwing about 94 to, to 96 on every pitch and, uh, they, uh, his changeup was coming in about, uh, 15 miles an hour slower without really, uh, slowing his arm speed, so it was, uh, was pretty noticeable back and then. You
0: say this was a Pioneer League game or does uh sorry,
1: this was a, a this was uh, an Apple Action League game. So uh yeah, this was this was rookie ball before you know he was he was still a he was a pretty high profile prospect as a as an amateur coming out of Columbia but uh uh seeing it in person uh was was uh was was still uh something pretty cool. Uh saw Tim Beckham hit his uh first professional uh home run there. He isn't quite uh uh you know he he's interesting i saw him uh last week as not 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 as good of a prospect as uh uh Tehran, obviously but uh it's 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 pretty cool to be able to see those guys uh when they're yet when they're that young trying to uh uh play in pro ball well
0: how, yeah what is a uh how does a rookie league uh, batter deal with uh Tehran's velocity and change up even three years ago uh
1: not well <laughs> they uh yeah <laughs> A lot of uh a lot of swings and misses, a lot of ugly swings and misses, you know, for the most part even in, in low way, you some of the guys throw ninety, some of them don't. Um but uh in rookie ball it's it's even less common to see a guy uh throwing over ninety miles an hour and you get a lot of guys who can throw strikes but you know, maybe their stuff is marginal or, or maybe they do have some stuff but uh they don't know what to do with it, whereas, you know, Tehran was Throwing strikes with 94 to 96, and uh, in, the batters are trying to cheat early with their swings, uh, start their swings a little bit early to, to try to catch up to that, you know, mid 90s fastball, and then he's, he's throwing the changeup. And uh, you'd think he'd be doing them a favor uh, by throwing it a, a little bit slower, something they can catch up with. But they were pretty, uh, uh, pretty overwhelmed by his uh, his entire arsenal that day.
0: And now you said, yeah, you did. You said you've gotten to see. a um Bunch of teams in the recent weeks here. Um, last week, you said you saw you were able to see Tim Beckham. Is that a fact?
1: Yeah, I saw him. Uh, I saw him uh, one game. He was he was good. He was uh, uh, you know, didn't really stand out too much with the bat. But uh, you know, when I because I saw him in, in rookie ball and I saw him uh, in Low a, a couple of years ago, and and the concern seeing him in in Low a was wow. Was, and I think a lot of scouts were saying, you know, is this guy gonna? Be able to stick it at shortstop because, you know, his lower half started getting uh, a little bit heavier. There were some, some concerns about him uh, moving off the position, you know, aside from just the concerns about his back, which I think still exists, but uh, seeing him more recently uh, was at least encouraging on that front because you can see the athleticism is uh, is there. It looks like he's uh, gotten his, his body into a little bit better condition. Uh, the athleticism is, is still there. He's, he's getting good times out of the box. so. Uh, it, was, it was certainly encouraging to see uh, him him make some strides in, on that front, at least.
0: Yeah, I know that uh, was it during preseason. I think uh, Joe Madden was asked about Tim Beckham and you know about sort of uh, the way that Beckham's stock has fallen, uh, especially obviously mm-hmm. s- since being an, a number one draft pick as a as like an uber athletic shortstop. Um, and Madden Madden said something to the effect of you know it's. Uh, you know I, I I think he was a little bit surprised that there was so much uh, hysteria concerning Beckham uh, that he was still very young and that there was very much a chance that he would become an excellent ball player. I'm curious from your from your perspective do you view that as Madden um, you know kind of just trying to to take the heat off one of the play, one of his not necessarily one of the players he's directly managing but someone certainly in his uh, organization or or do you think that that Madden could genuinely feel that way?
1: Uh, he could genuinely feel that way. I, I don't wanna uh take that away from him, but I think uh you know, manager quotes major league manager quotes from uh spring training on uh prospects are are always my favorite. Usually some uh you know, generic throwaway line you know he can oh, he can really uh handle the bat or uh you know, he can uh you know, he's he's a good looking guy or he's got a long ways to go but uh you know, something uh you know, encouraging after that. So uh <laughs> I mean it's you know, it's it's his uh it's you know, a guy in his own organization speaking uh, you know, to the public. I'm sure he's gonna be uh positive about it. But you know, there's there's legitimate concerns about his bad. You know, at the same time he's he's right, he is young. You know, a couple of years ago, uh, you know, going into last season, I think people were writing off Devin mezzarocco as a prospect. He was a first round pick out of high school in two thousand seven who just didn't hit for you know, didn't hit two thousand seven, didn't hit two thousand eight, didn't hit in two thousand nine. And then last year, all of a sudden, he just started mashing in, in the Carolina League and in, in High A, uh, kept hitting in Double A, Triple A, uh, and and right now he's probably uh, <clears throat> probably one of he, he is one of the best catching prospects, and probably uh, going to be one of the next uh, guys to get a uh, call up to the big leagues pretty soon. And he was a guy who just uh, you know a little more than a year ago, people had pretty much uh, written off as a prospect. Uh, you know, and a former first round pick. So, uh, you know, do I expect Beckham to do that? You know, probably not. I think Rocco had some uh, injuries that he was dealing with, and he finally got healthy and showed what he can do when he is healthy. Um, you know, but I wouldn't write off Beckham, but I think his, his stock has certainly uh, fallen pretty uh, considerably since he was you know, the first overall pick a, a few years ago.
0: Well, let me ask you uh, just a, a pop question, a pop quiz. Uh, Awesomest uh, Italian catcher: uh, Mike Napoli, Chris Iannetta, or Devin Mazzaracco?
1: Uh I might have to go with uh, uh, Chris Ionetta.
0: You like? Yeah. You... <laughs>
1: but uh, I, I should have known this was uh, was coming from you. But uh, yeah, yeah, he, uh, I still, I still like him. He can, he can get on base. He's gonna uh, put up good numbers. I think uh, eventually. Uh, maybe sometimes catchers take a little longer to develop. But uh, I know he hasn't put up the the numbers that we're expecting uh, of him yet. But uh, I still uh, I still have some some faith that he uh, he puts puts things in order.
0: All right, we just uh, discussed Tim Beckham briefly. Um, another former uh, first uh, overall selection in the draft, um, shortstop uh, Matt Bush, is uh, no longer a shortstop. Um, but uh he's still playing baseball. Uh did, were you able to see him this past week?
1: Uh, I did not see uh Bush throw, but I have talked to uh scouts who've seen him and uh you know it's the arm is is, is certainly there. It's probably was uh, unfortunately it probably always was his uh, best tool and uh now it uh, is it, it, it plays well on the mound. He he can miss bats. He throws, you know, up to the mid and and really touching the, the high 90s with uh his stuff so you know with with guys like that, who knows? It was uh uh how quickly they can figure it out. A guy like Sergio Santos converted to pitching and, you know, got there uh got to the big leagues pretty quickly. Kenley Jansen uh with a Dodgers. Sometimes something just clicks and uh <laughs> all of a sudden you have a, a decent reliever. So I think if uh if that happened for the Rays it certainly have to be you know happy about it. Some guys it comes uh quicker than others. I was just talking to a uh a scout the other day about uh Guy, uh, a a pitching prospect that, that he had seen uh who was uh, I think it was a former uh shortstop and, and he said that uh, you know I was I was asking him about you know well it's going to take him a while to uh to put things together and, and figure out you know <laughs> all of the uh, you know the all of the finer points about pitching but also just you know throwing strikes but uh you know he said he he kind of liked that uh he he kind of likes those guys who were former infielders moving to uh to the mound because those guys tend to have uh, a lot of athleticism, which helps them uh, repeat their deliveries and, and in turn, uh, throw a lot of strikes. Uh, so there's it's, it's certainly uh, kind of behind the curve in terms of uh, you know maybe if he had just become a, a pitching prospect uh, right out of the gate. But I think there's uh, with a with a guy like that, you, you know, you never know something could uh, uh, click and, and something could uh, develop pretty quickly when you have uh, athleticism and and you have an arm that can, you know, throw 96 to, you know, 97 miles an hour when you need it.
0: Now, uh, any other players you saw this past week um, with the various games you saw, um, any players you saw that, that maybe stuck out to you for one reason or another, you know, or maybe uh, maybe showed you something that uh, you hadn't seen um, in their scouting reports?
1: Uh, you know, I saw, in terms of something that, that stood out, I saw Ruby De La Rosa with the Dodgers throw 100 miles an hour. So that was, uh, that was the first time I've seen a guy uh, actually in person hit 100 miles an hour on my gun. So I've seen Strasburg and, and Jeffress and uh, some other guys hit uh, 99 in person, but I uh, thought De La Rosa hit 100. So uh, that wasn't necessarily anything uh, we didn't know about him. Uh, I think his, uh, his off-speed stuff, his, his breaking ball is still uh, you know, below average. His, his changeup is uh, also probably uh, pretty fringy uh pitch right now but uh if he can throw 100 miles an hour he can at least have a uh a role in a, a big league bullpen. Uh I don't know if that's necessarily what uh, his future holds but uh I could certainly see him being a uh a power arm uh for the Dodgers uh, out of the bullpen uh, down the road.
0: It's curious to me because I know um uh well having played baseball through high school there's sometimes a the difference say between like you know 55 and 65 miles per hour or you know 70, 80. It's not, it's not crazy. You can maybe notice it, but it's not huge. But especially at the major league mm-hmm. level, the, there does seem to be. I mean, an average uh, fastball was probably, uh, you know, somewhere 91, something like that. Um, but it is, it is strange, I guess, or it's curious to me how even um, just minor changes in velocity um, can really, can really change how a pitcher approaches uh, batters and, and, and how the batters react. Uh, and we've seen this, for example, with Javier Vasquez losing just two miles per hour or something off his fastball, um, and how it makes him a totally different pitcher. I'm curious as to, to I, I mean, this may be something that's hard to articulate, but the difference between seeing, you know, 100 and seeing 95, I mean, what that looks like to you, if if it's just sort of like something you, you intuitively note, or, or, is it, uh, or does it look the same to you?
1: Uh, I think it, uh, it, it depends, it depends on how the guy is, uh, is throwing too. I mean, if he's, you know, you know, throwing with a, a lot of effort or if he's, uh, just throwing it more like, uh, you know, Daniel Bard or Neftali Feliz, uh, with, you know, very minimal effort. But then all of a sudden it's just, boom, the ball is, you know, it's, it's right there and it's, and it's on you. Or if a guy has, you know, a lot of moving parts in his delivery, uh, that can be a little bit different. Sometimes it actually, <clears throat> it, you know, it can help him hide the ball. Uh, a little bit but yeah i mean the difference between uh 90 to, to 95 or 95 and and 100 is uh pretty huge and you know hit i think uh to me hitting is about uh timing and pitching is about upsetting the hitter's timing and when you have that much uh you're e- even a mile or even a couple miles an hour difference uh on your fastball uh or a, a little bit of of extra movement uh or, or a little bit of extra deception in, in your delivery Uh, Anything like that can really uh, upset a hitter's timing, and I think that can be, uh, you know, like you said, with with Vasquez losing uh, a couple of miles an hour, uh, or or what you're seeing with, uh, you know, Ubaldo Jimenez earlier in the season. You know, a a little loss of uh, velocity can uh, really throw off, uh, 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 you know, a pitcher's game, and and I think it's uh, you you can notice it sometimes in the the arm speed. I think you know that's what some of the uh, uh, the more experienced scouts are, are looking at. Uh, you know, when they're, when they're scouting young players or, or looking at, uh, older players too, they're not just necessarily looking at, you know, what's on the gun, but, you know, but how quickly their, their arm is working through. And it's just something you have to, uh, have seen, a, a lot of, uh, baseball to be able to, uh, uh, to see and, and understand. It's not really something that you can, uh, articulate, like you said. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, any, 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 anything like that that just seems, you know, very minimal. Uh, can have a major impact on a on a hitter's uh, timing and uh, can make a pretty substantial difference.
0: Now, one thing you mentioned or uh, referenced a couple times is is how you talk to scouts um, uh, with some frequency. It seems, and I know that uh, just as an outsider, I guess I I don't know if I ever co- uh, thought this, you know, specifically, but I guess I was under the impression you know, that you guys did a lot of, um, you know, um, in-person scouting. And I would have, uh, you know, if you just asked me, I probably would have assumed that most of the stuff that you know ends up in the prospect handbook, for example, um, you know, is a, is a sort of um, uh, stuff that you guys had seen in person. And I guess what actually turns out, I was talking with Jim Kals uh, a couple months ago at an event, and he was saying that, um, you know, while that might be the case in some instances, and it certainly doesn't hurt to to have some context for yourself having seen a player, that really the thing that um, sets Baseball America part, what you guys view to some degree as your mission, is to is to really uh, aggregate as much information as possible. You know, mostly by talking with scouts. And um, I'm curious how, how that process works for you. Like, um, if that was something that took some getting used to. You said you know you you'd done some writing. I don't know how many interviews you'd conducted. How how comfortable you felt like that. But I, I'm just curious as to to that really that entire process of uh, reaching out to people you um, know to scouts um, or clubs and getting information on players and how you uh, how you put that all into your your articles etc
1: yeah i think uh, the interview stuff wasn't necessarily a, a piece of uh, my background that i had a, a lot of history with but it, it comes pretty natural i think when you're uh, just talking to you know scouts and, and players or, or front office uh, officials uh, you know you're just you're just talking about uh, baseball you just try to know make it a uh, conversation about baseball and, and these guys uh, you know they they like talking about baseball uh, it sounds kind of simplistic but it's, uh, it's it's kind of a, the truth of it it's uh, you know we, we do go to a lot of games uh, you know I, I do go to a lot of games here uh, like I said I have all these minor league teams uh, around our area uh, and then do a bit of uh, traveling as well but uh, you know you, you can see a lot of things there but I'm also at the game uh, you know bouncing things off scouts or bouncing things off uh, you know, uh, coaches or, or players, uh, sometimes talking to, the players, uh, you know, about themselves. You know, I was just talking to, uh, Trey McNutt a couple of weeks ago, who's a, uh, pitching prospect, uh, with the, uh, Chicago Cubs. He's their, their top pitching prospect since they, <coughs> excuse me, since they traded Chris Archer. And, you know, I was talking to some scouts in the stands and, so i talked to some scouts before and about, uh, McNutt and about his breaking ball. And he throws a really hard, uh, power breaking ball with its, you know, anywhere from 80 to, to 85, and you know the scouts just kind of call it a, a power slurve because you're not really sure if it's a curve or a slider. But just talking to him after his, his start he kind of cleared it up, cleared it up for me and and for some of the scouts. He said you know, it's it's actually a one of them's a curveball and, and one of them's a slider. uh... So you can gain some some insight from talking to the players uh... about uh, you know not just about themselves about their their own game. they you know. <laughs> they uh they they're, they're usually the ones who, who know their their strengths and weaknesses the best uh and and they also know the uh the other players around the league that they're they're playing with so uh there's a there's a lot of resources at the ballpark to use uh beyond just uh, your own eyes seeing uh the players obviously that helps but uh you know i think uh, like like you were saying that uh Jim was telling you uh, the, the majority of it is done uh talking to scouts uh, about these uh uh the players and, and collecting and uh, as much information as possible uh, be it through the uh, you know those conversations or through uh, what we're seeing or, or through the stats, and then uh, using you know our knowledge to be able to uh, interpret that information uh, as uh, as accurately as possible uh, to try to predict the future.
0: Now, is that a situation where? And this is a uh, question you can uh, you should feel free to omit as much as you want. Um, are there situations where you have though the, go-to guys? You know, maybe you've uh, built up good relationships maybe see the game in a similar way um, or you know are you constantly reaching out to to new people in the uh... in the industry
1: i, say I think it's a, a little bit of both i mean there's some guys who have you know, had relationships with for uh... uh for several years both on the, the pro side and uh... the international side but i think mean, that's the other thing about going to games is you're always uh... Um, beating new scouts meeting uh... new players to uh... you know maintain relationships with for um, you know, to to stay up with the uh, players and down the road, so um, it's, it's it's a little bit of both. There's you know, and there's and there's some guys who you know I've been talking to for for years who I have uh, you know <laughs> you know tremendous respect for because uh, uh, you know a lot of the stuff that they've they've been telling me is, has turned out to be uh, uh, extremely true, especially uh, in the uh, the international market. So uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of guys I respect. You know, I mean I, I like to, and I, and the other thing is I like talking to guys from uh you know all different kinds of uh scouting backgrounds guys who've been you know maybe newer guys who who just uh uh getting started and and but mostly uh I think the thing that I most enjoy is talking to the guys who've been doing this for you know thirty forty plus years which uh you know I'm just kind of in awe of the uh the knowledge that that they have and that they're uh willing to share because uh i think those those are the kinds of people who uh you can learn the most from if uh if you just uh you know just listen to to what they have to say. Uh, and, and just talk baseball with them, so uh, it, it's a little bit of both, I would say. Um, if that uh, answers your question. No,
0: it does. I'm, do uh, are yeah. there any scouts uh, you call up and they just they just tell you to piss off, Badler? Has anyone ever said that to you, piss off, Badler?
1: I don't think I've gotten that uh, that exact phrase. It's it's usually just uh, we'll go to voicemail or something, but uh, <laughs> haven't haven't gotten that yet.
0: Well, here's to uh, well, you've only been doing what for four four or five years, so there's time, right?
1: Yeah, we'll give it time. Yeah, we'll
0: give it time. Good. Um, de- I definitely want to want to get to um, something we've we've sort of gestured to a couple times here, and that's your uh, coverage of the international markets. Um, this is sort of a a mysterious world. Um, I know you know. I'll just take myself for example. I'm a I'm a person who you know, likes baseball quite a bit. Follow it, and feel like I've pretty decent hold on the minor leagues not necessarily all the tendencies and skills of the players but at least you know the names in the you know first you know top you know top couple tiers of the minors but the international uh uh international baseball is something completely different you know and it's like i, I feel like i get this information that kind of rises to the top and you guys definitely publish you know you publish usually definitely the, the top signings or maybe some international prospects occasionally you'll get information about a player like Gary Sanchez who has some um, uh, or maybe, maybe I'm uh, speaking out of churn here uh, was Gary Sanchez the uh, the prospect who was having some uh, difficulties with the New York Yankees or is this a different player I'm thinking of
1: uh, he's uh, I don't know if he's having difficulties but uh, he was a, uh, he signed with the Yankees a couple years ago for three million dollars uh so he's uh he's definitely one of their prize prospects right now. There's a player for, uh, for the
0: Yankees who's the signed. one who's having
1: difficulties. Right. Are you are you thinking oh. of uh maybe Angel Violona with the uh the Giants? I, I he would be a guy who I would say was uh, having some difficulties oh, if he in terms of he was, to, he was uh, arrested, right? Yeah, he he was arrested for, for shooting and, and killing somebody, so uh <laughs> Yeah, he was having some, some difficulties. That's a difficulty. That's one of the difficulties, definitely. You
0: know, I'm thinking yeah. of a, a guy on the Yankees who, uh, I think, signed for a certain amount and then re signed, but for less money.
1: Uh, that, uh, oh, all right. That's, uh, <laughs> that, uh, <laughs> that could certainly describe a uh, a lot of guys. <laughs> but, uh, I think the the one you're thinking of is probably, uh, Juan Carlos, uh, I'm trying to think of the name he's using now. I think it's Juan, yeah, he's going by Juan Carlos Paniagua right now. You're thinking of the, uh, the picture that the Yankees signed for, yeah. for 1.1 million dollars yeah 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 he had uh... <laughs> he had he had originally signed with the diamondbacks for um... I'm trying to think of the original amount but it was somewhere around uh, you know twenty thousand dollars and uh... MLB ended up uh... suspending him and uh... you know his, his contract went away and then all of a sudden his, you know velocity jumped way up and uh... started throwing up to the high nineties and uh, the Yankees signed him for uh, 1.1 million dollars is kind of the abridged uh, version of uh, of that story, right?
0: In, which obviously creates a bizarre situation where the Diamondbacks, through no fault of their own, lose a guy who you know who now is worth over a million dollars, <laughs> um, right? Or at
1: least, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and that's uh, you know, it's that's that's the, that's the system that the MLB uses. It's the system that you know allowed the the Cardinals to sign. Uh, this kid, Carlos Martinez, for, for $1.5 million, who just made his, uh, U.S. debut the other night, uh, and threw up to, uh, 99 miles an hour, threw, I think, uh, it was, a uh, four shutout innings and, and, struck out six guys. Uh, he was a guy who was originally signed by, uh, the Red Sox for about hundred fifty or $160,000. So, uh, it's the system that MLB uses. Uh, they've, they've made some changes, but, uh, uh, it's, it's just one of, uh, many things that can go, uh, uh, can go a little wild in the international market
0: yeah all right so so if you had to give uh just like a a very brief overview of kind of what uh, an educated baseball fan needs to know about um... you okay B- Ben Butler?
1: yeah, I was just testing uh, just the phone here, sorry, okay,
0: you're all right though you haven't been attacked or anything like that
1: no the uh the uh... Luckily, our uh, our downside security is uh, is still, keep, still keeping us uh, safe. Good, good, good.
0: So, w- in terms of like creating like a, a very brief primer for an educated baseball fan who doesn't necessarily know a ton about uh, international signing and what it all entails, um, and specifically what you're covering, like what what would what would that sort of fan need to know um, to be able to I guess to to follow it um, w- with some interest or you know with a little bit more information.
1: So I think um, you know the majority of international signings come out of Latin America, mostly the Dominican Republic, uh, also Venezuela, and then uh, you know there's there's some signings that come out of uh, Colombia and, and Panama, but uh, the majority of them come out of and and Mexico as well. Uh, the majority of them, the international signings are coming out of uh... Latin America. And what happens with with those kids is as they're able to sign, uh, once you turn 16, you wait until, uh, the next July 2nd, and that's when, uh, you become eligible to sign. And once that happens, uh, you, you, once you're eligible to sign, you can, you can sign it at any point, uh, thereafter. Uh, so these kids don't have, you know, there's, there's no draft, obviously, internationally, uh, although, you know, you never know that, uh, that might change this year, we'll see. But, um Th- there's there's no draft. There's no there's also no uh, real college or, or high school teams. Uh, the players have their own uh, trainers and, and their own uh, agents sometimes, and uh, y- you have to negotiate uh, if you're a team with these with these trainers and uh, and agents. So it's it's not like you can follow along uh, with a, uh, a college team or uh, a high school team. Uh, so that obviously makes things a lot more difficult to uh, to follow along, I and mean, it obviously makes things a lot more uh, difficult for uh, the scouts who have to uh, evaluate these players too. Uh, but uh, you know, as as July 2nd approaches, and uh, you know we start to get more uh, in- information on some of these players, then we start posting some of that uh, the information that we get from scouts and, and what teams might be interested uh, in in which players, and we start posting that on. Uh, on baseball America. So um, you know, I think uh you know, last year there wasn't really one uh standout player. I think maybe uh if anyone, maybe Luis heredia who who signed with the Pirates out of uh, Mexico for uh two point six million dollars was probably the uh uh the, the best overall uh signing from uh, from last year's July second class. But uh uh you know there's you know that this is this is where you find players uh like uh Miguel Sano or, or Gary Sanchez who we uh, Alluded to uh, earlier, and uh, is not in, in any difficulties, um, but uh, or, or players like uh, you know Felix Hernandez or, or Julio Tehran. Uh, so this is where the, uh, it, the this is where the uh, the Latin players come from. They can sign all year. Uh, July second is, is just one uh, uh, one day, but it tends to be when the uh, the bigger names in the markets all uh, uh, tend to. Uh, uh, tend to come up and sign.
0: Well, it's the closest thing is to the uh, to the pre-draft model, right? At this point, because it's more um, it's more based on, you know, I guess uh, each organization's uh, ability to kind of have a scout who develops a relationship with the player or the or the player's trainer slash agent, right? I mean, as opposed to necessarily, you know, like in the draft, having to wait your turn to to have a shot at a guy.
1: Yeah, if you. Uh... <laughs> Basically, all you have to wait for is, uh, for the player to, uh, be eligible to sign. Uh, some teams try to skirt around those rules and, you know, they, in the, in the past, and, and, uh, I think maybe it's, it's done less so now, but, uh, you know, they would find a player who, uh, was, you know, 15 or 16 who they wanted to sign, but, uh, uh, you know, they, they didn't want the other teams to, to know about, <laughs> uh, so they would, uh, you know, a, Agreed to a deal before July 2nd, and then try to hide their player either in uh, bashing him away in, in their academy or, or somewhere else, or, or taking a kid from uh, the Dominican Republic and and flying him over to uh, to Venezuela or or whatever the uh, you know the methods might be to uh, to try to hide these players. But but yeah, I mean there's there's no draft. It's it's all about the uh, the scouts you have and, and the network you have, and, and the other thing is there's no. Uh, I shouldn't say no, but there's there's very little you know you know hype and, and reputation around uh some of these guys you know maybe in you know around the island uh, there there is somewhat but uh for the most part it's you have to uh you have to like what what you see you, you can't just go off of uh you know what you're there's 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 no numbers there's no uh you know uh media reports on on any of these guys for the most part right up until uh july second so uh these guys are this is about as as close to uh you know the real old school uh scouting as it gets I mean, obviously unfortunately there's a lot of uh other issues with you know steroids and uh age fraud and and a lot of other uh you know bonus uh, skimming and and other issues that they have to uh you know teams and and MLB have to deal with it's it's a bit of a headache but it's it's really as close to that uh you know old school just go out uh and and find a players as, as you're going to find
0: so how do you, so what do you view as sort of as your responsibility then I guess as a uh, you know as a writer covering the international market um, how do you I guess how do you ride that line between uh, you know providing information that's that's useful um, and substantive for readers of Baseball America while at the same time you know not uh, you know perhaps avoiding the the possibility of becoming too obscure you know where you're dealing with uh, you know maybe guys who May or may not pan out later on. I, I guess how, how, how do you sort of find that happy medium, and in, in terms of the information you you convey to the readers?
1: Um, well, I think uh, in terms of uh, obscurity, it's that, that's tough because uh, on, on the draft side, we we try to make sure we write up uh, a scouting report before the draft on on every player who we think might get drafted in any of the fifty rounds. <laughs> uh, so you know, we we go pretty uh, in depth. Uh, it's not really for the, uh, the casual fan. Uh, so, uh, on the international side, we don't really go, uh, quite that in depth. There's some, uh, there, there's some, you know, there's some hit and miss to it, uh, obviously, but we try to focus on the guys who, uh, you know, money isn't really, uh, something that, you know, I personally care about when uh, evaluating a player. Uh, you know, it doesn't really matter if a guy a couple of years ago signed for two million or uh, $20,000 because there's, there's inefficiencies in the system that, uh, uh, you know, allow that to, uh, to happen. What matters is, is the player's talent. But, uh, we try to let the, uh, at least let the market kind of, uh, speak for itself in some ways and, and try to focus on the players who, you know, we, well, I'm hearing are, are going to get the, uh, uh, you know, the, the most money. Um, uh, and, and there's some, uh, there, there there's some guesswork in, involved in, in that. Uh, but, uh, just based on uh, what we're hearing, we, we tend to get the, uh, we miss on very few of the, uh, you know, who the, the top guys are, are going to be. So, um it's, it's tough because, the, again, these kids are uh, 16 or are supposed to be 16 years old. Uh, and, and to try to predict, uh, you know, who's going to be a, a major leaguer out of out of those guys in, in the United States would be uh, tough enough as it is. And, and you can uh, probably multiply that by about 10. Uh, when you're when you're trying to uh, evaluate kids in the in Latin America, so it's it's not easy, but just making as as many calls and, and uh, as as possible to uh, to scouts and, and other people uh, internationally to uh, to try to nail it down as best we can.
0: Well, cool. All right, hey Ben Baller, I'm going to let you get back to uh, to doing your job and uh, and uh, getting all that information um, uh, to to most benefit your readership, but uh, I want to thank you. Uh, before I let you go, I want to thank you for for joining us in Fangraphs Audio.
1: Yeah, absolutely, Carson. It was a uh, great great having me on.
0: Cool. It was great. It was great, it was great having you on. Uh,
1: so that. Well, I guess <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll, I'll leave that for you guys to judge. But it was it was great to be on. So. <laughs> uh,
0: that has been uh, Ben Battler of Baseball America. Uh, I have been and will continue to be Carson Sestouli. and uh, this has been another White Hot edition of Fangraphs Audio.